Well, welcome all you sports fans to another edition of Calling from the Wilderness. Uh, I am here, Derek, joined with Tim, and we have a special guest. But before we get to that, in history, there has been some key moments. There has <laughs> been, we can say the creation, if you believe in that. Mm. We can say uh, the exodus, the resurrection. Um, I have a dream speech. Um, there's many, mm. many things that have really unified and really um, encapsulated a time. Mm. And you watching this are going to experience the next one. This right now, <laughs> I'm prophesying, I'm naming and claiming it. I'm doing all this stuff. I wrote to Peter Popoff and all them. I got the stuff. We are going to change the world. Ooh. Amen. And it was that like a lot is... of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, as, and as the as the key component that's different than the usual weeks, we, you can tell where the pressure, where the pressure is. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I hope mm-hmm. we do a good episode today. Hope being the key word. But with us is the stunning, the special, the serendipitous, the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And all mm. the other S words, uh, the lovely Sarah Heath. Hello. My forever friend. Welcome. welcome. Yes, BFFs. <laughs> we are no longer casual acquaintances. We are no longer casual acquaintances. So do you have um, to go to the shopping mall and get matching necklaces now? Is that, is that the next step? Oh, is BFFs? that? No, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Like a little heart that comes together. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> we could do tattoos. And like you open it up. <gasps> Let's do tattoos. I saw one on Sisters that was one little girl with like a telephone, like a can telephone yeah. on her yeah. foot. And then her sister has the other girl. And when they stand together, it's two kids like listening to each other on what? Yeah. I'm just saying it's an option you for us. Where you're talking to the can and then on mine, I'm farting into the can. And then it'd be kind of funny. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We will workshop this. This we is, will workshop it. We will do. Yeah. We're just spitballing at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> I always want to tattoo W's on both my bum cheeks. So then when I move people and bent over, it just said, wow. It says, wow. Mm-hmm. And, like, I knew that was coming. Would, you know, learn yeah. to read. Um, Sarah is with <laughs> us. <laughs> Sarah, if you've been paying attention to this uh, podcast, I went down last month. Um, and actually, the month before last month and helped her plumb her 73 Airstream, uh, Gidget, Gidget. professionally called. Sarah is originally Canadian and then moved to the States and went to uh, Divinity or um, Duke Divinity School, got a master's. And then she was a head pastor somewhere other than Costa Mesa first. Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa. I was a site pastor in Rancho Santa Margarita. There we go. And then, and then I became a to... lead pastor in Costa Mesa. Yes. And you have recently California. Uh, gone on to different things where now you are focusing on, if I get this right, you are going to school to become a coach. Yeah. And you are also started a business where you are helping individuals and organizations make uh, safe places. Um, maybe not safe places. I'm not sure if that's a word or 
Um, oh, what's the word you used for it before? It wasn't safe. I, use, I often use brave, but that was, brave. Uh, that was yeah, it. that's borrowed from a great poet uh, whose name I will need to look up. But a brave space is this idea of creating space that where people can say, oh, this is hard. And someone else will say, I'm sorry. And then you're able to meet each other and apologize. Yeah. And know that other, like what you say, other people may not hold the same thing, but you are yeah. able to say it and be challenged and challenged without getting angry and judging, yeah, judging so each other. You got it. So I create spaces both literally and figuratively because I redesign churches as well. So that's kind of what yes. I've been doing. Amazing. People and yeah, architecture for churches. Making can, can I just can I just say one thing is is I, I've I've actually lived with Derek and we've spent a lot of time together and he knows more about you than he does about me. Oh, yeah. He's reading it one, from yeah. somewhere. I'm not. This is all off the top of my head, <laughs> but I thought about it today. He's been walking around. interesting than you. Um, <laughs> well, that, that is that is def- hands down. Absolutely true. true. Yeah. 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 The only thing I do is get up at five in the morning when no one else is awake. I and, don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those watching, it is 5 a.m. or 5.42. We're just, we're we just about at five. six. We're just about at six, you know, heading towards okay, breakfast. I get up at 6.30. And by get up, I mean, I like, okay. Snooze the alarm. Here's what I do. I always wake up around 5.30 and I start reading the news like a real weirdo on my phone. Nice. Like just reading the news. It's like a thing that I do before anyone else is up. And then I walk my dog either at 630 or seven. But Mm -hmm. lately it's been seven because it's dark. Yeah, fair enough. And he's coyote like bait. (laughs) (laughs) He is just this little white. He's just like a little. He's behind me. uh, He's Falcor. He's tiny, tiny Falcor. That doesn't really know how to be a dog. No, it's like an animal that's like been told it's a dog and now he's like i think this is what dogs do like (laughs) literally my friend all the time is like my running partner he's always like i feel like one day i'll show up and tenor will just be reading the newspaper on the couch and be like oh sorry (laughs) like sorry guys i'll get in character he's a method actor like he is cut the deepest he just does not dog well but he's the best yeah he is pretty awesome very cuddly very shetty He's very um, shetty. Yeah. And I said shetty uh, for those listening. Um, Sarah, uh, yes. awesome to have you. Uh, awesome to be here. Perfect. We are, we've been planning this for a while. Um, yeah. I went down and then while I was down there plumbing, I was like, Hey, do you want to be on our podcast? Cause I knew it'd be very difficult to say no during that time. <laughs> but then I mess up the plumbing. So I, I strategically you did such a great it. job. Yeah. So we great to have you. Uh, we like to ask our guests, uh, sure. is there any piece of advice or something that you've come across that you would want to share with everyone? Yeah. So I've, I was been thinking, I've been thinking about this. Um, I was been thinking about the fact that, um, Lately, the advice or the thing that's been really grounding for me, even as we step into the topic around hope, is this idea of um, realizing that things are enough. And so someone said to me uh, a long time ago that at the end of the day, you have to just like say it is enough, whatever it might be. And I actually made a sign that I have on my wall that just says it is enough. Um, And so whatever is like kind of being okay with what is and just saying this is enough. And I know that sounds like the 
simplest and most ridiculous advice, but at the end of the day, I audibly say it is enough. And as someone who grew up in a very performative um, way, I grew up, if you guys are part of the Enneagram cult, I'm an Enneagram three with a two wing. So my entire life is like, I need to like be performing and caring for everyone. So I always say, I always describe my personality as like, I'm going to love you the best. And so um, what that means is oftentimes I never feel like I'm enough or what I've done during the day is enough. And so to audibly say once a day, it is enough. And like, let the day be the day has been a really life-changing thing for me. So that's my advice to everyone. It's enough. You're enough. That's good. We can just just end there then. (laughs) Also water moves. um, Water does not move upwards. I learned that in plumbing from Derek. As I was like, what if we put this pipe over here? And he's like, I need you to know that water doesn't go upwards. (laughs) Like it goes Without a pump. With a pump, you can make it go wherever you want. (laughs) Yeah, the old plumbing rules, you know, poop flows downhill and paydays every second Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, yeah. So we're going to get into this. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. Do you want to bring it up? Now, I will say for anyone who went to school with me and Tim, um, Sarah, your personality and how mm-hmm. you make people feel uh, comfortable and they're able to be themselves around you reminds me a lot of Tim's dad. Uh, uh, so if you mm-hmm. are listening to this and you know Lauren Miller, um, Sarah is the exact same way where it's just you can be yourself. You don't have to be performative or whatever. Um, or put on a face. You can just be yourself and be accepted. Your dad sounds really rad. He oh, yeah. he is definitely yes. He's somebody I continue to aspire to be, and uh, yeah, so hope to have him on on the pod someday. But uh, yeah, he he is he is the the way he creates spaces, um, and and in that kind of gentle spirit that is is all about. I would say you know the actual kind of true hospitality of the divine. Um, is, is something that I, yeah, echo is, is a beautiful gift to the world. So, so yeah, yeah. glad you brought Derek, it. That is such a sweet compliment. I really appreciate that. Cause I think well, I don't give you any, so I thought I'd give you that one. I'll take that. I will run that to the bank. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm gonna I do it very, it. Yeah. I'll do it as publicly as I can so that I can say yeah. I've done it once. <laughs> you can't, you know, you can't enjoy the sunshine with a little bit of rain. So I will not compliment you forever. And then I'll give you one. Just keep I don't know why that reminded me. I went to seminary with a guy from North Dakota. And one day uh, we were all dressed up for an event and he looked at me and went, well, you're not ugly. <laughs> I thought, Coming from him. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so hot in this moment. Cause he went, well, you're not ugly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Take it. Take it. Yeah. It feels like a Derek compliment, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I don't hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the people I hate, you're not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but here is a list. Out of all the people I know, you are one of them. Aww. Okay, uh, so if you're following us, you know the drill. Uh, this week we're going to read through it once. Then we're going to just uh, mention anything that pops out to us, any words or phrases. And then we'll go through the group again and say if there's any uh, questions that arise. And then we're going to get into it. 
And yeah, here we go. Uh, who's reading? I probably should. You want me to do that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tim in in the dark bleakness. <laughs> in the your bleak All right. So it, just sorry, as a little the the church I did my my uh, ordination training at as a curate was the very first church that that was ever sung in. Um, yeah, yeah. So so every year it got sung by a choir. It was yeah beautiful by candlelight. In oh, the, I love that song. In winter of England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll catch up with that afterwards. First Thessalonians. Uh, so 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 to 10. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example to the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us, and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Okay. Um... Maybe I'll, I'll start. Uh, the thing that jumps out to me is um, your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Tim, anything that jumps out to you? Yeah, there's, I'm trying to think. There, there wasn't anything, I guess, in specifically. I, I like the... Um, yeah, there's no Jesus coming down in the clouds. What are we going to talk about, Tim? And I know I, I I tried to push a really good, you know, very simple Advent theme of the coming judgment. And Derek's like, no, let's talk about hope. So, um, I know I, I like this one um, in verse five. For he brought you the good news. It was not only with words, but also with power. Um, and I like, yeah, that was that kind of rung out to me when we were reading. So, Sarah, I, uh, oh. yeah. I, the Holy Spirit, in spite of the severe suffering, it brought you. So you receive the message with joy, despite the suffering that it brought you. That mm. stuck out to me. Mm. Okay. Uh, question time. Um, I want to know what uh, their loving deeds and enduring hope and uh, faithful work actually look like. And if we're doing it as the church today, because I don't, I don't know if I see it. Tim. 
<laughs> we'll get into it. This, this <laughs> Maybe, is a part yeah. like the question part where I usually go last because I just go off into a rant. You're showing great restraint, Derek. I'm, 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 uh, you know, you were talking about personal growth before this. I can see it now. I can see it now. Um, I, I think that I, I do think that question about, you know, about the kind of the tangibility of, um, of that, of, of that kind of sense of, of faith and loving deeds. That phrase actually, loving deeds, is a really beautiful one because um, it's not not necessarily something I grew up with in in my context of faith. Um, so yeah, I think just kind of thinking about kind of what what is the tangibility of that hope of that faith uh, of that those loving deeds um, in in that context of uh, of kind of the witness that came from um, yeah through Paul and others. So. I think Sarah? that, yeah, the idea of um, we don't need to tell them about it. Hmm. Uh, what does that mean and why um, Why do we feel like we need to tell people now in a different hmm. way than I feel like we're talking about faithful work and loving deeds and that sort of thing. But now it's a lot of, but I have the right sign. Um hmm. Mm. So yeah. mm. I just have a lot of questions about the guy on the side of the road. Does he really, has he ever once someone been like, you know, you're right. <laughs> like, has, <laughs> has it ever once happened? Yeah. Maybe. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, probably there, as much there, as the yeah. guy that revs his engine at girls across the street. Be like, yeah, it works all the time. <laughs> it does for me. Um, I'm the girl walking across the street. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a V8. Rawr. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, where should we start? Mm. Well, I like that idea that you've that you presented, Sarah, about kind of you know, there, there is, there is, as we often do in, in um, context of faith and Christianity, particularly in the West has this, where as long as we've got, if we can kind of keep um, beating the rhetoric over people's head, we never have to actually respond with actions and, or have those actions that speak for themselves. We talk about that all the time, you know, it's like that, that often misquoted, I think it's Francis of Assisi, you know, preach the gospel and when necessary use words, but we, we make the signs we make the t-shirts we have a excess of words and and what seems to be missing is that is that witness that comes because of who we are in the world and the truth that we're seeking to testify to um and uh yeah so i i'd love to to kind of hear more about about that from you and what what kind of was going on in you in that well i was thinking about actually the background of it right so paul is speaking to a group of people who knew what it meant to belong to cult groups. He knew what it meant to belong. Like these are not people who are separated from the understanding of belonging to different sorts of communities. And um, so the busy city, you know, people all, it's not like this like idea of a new religion. Like it, this is just, everyone keeps having the thing, right? There's like the right words keep showing up the right belief. It's like, kind of like it, it just is everywhere. And then there's something about the way these people live out their lives that continues to be spoken about today. And I think for so many folks, it's the enduring thing. Uh, the enduring thing is not necessarily the 
yelled at words or the correct doctrine or um, whatever correct might be. You know, I, I think so often we think we've got the right words and like, guys, if you want to be humbled, listen to a sermon you preached 10 years ago. And you're like, Oh no. Like if that's not your level uh, of week. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Transcend and include like the, the Middle fact the that sermon. my messages started to be podcast. I was like, no, Oh no. <laughs> um, you know, and I think it's like, that's a sign of growth as a human. And so I, I we're never going to have the right words. Um, and so this idea that these people are, are already used to all these people professing to have the right words or the right ideas. Cause remember ideas were such an important time during, you know, important thing during that time um, for them to have actions that kind of back those up was, you know, human action is and it's important and praiseworthy um, was just so profound. And I don't think we, we do a bait and switch right now. Like, you know, there's all these uh, ministries and such that like, I, I say do ministry at people. Mm right? We're going to love them into being one of us. And that's like, that's not the goal of these people at all. They weren't trying to convert people by doing the actions. They were just doing the actions that people were responding. Mm. If that makes sense. It was never a, it wasn't a multi-level marketing moment. They weren't trying to like, (laughs) all right, it's like, I take care of you. Now you take care of me. Um, These oils are essential. I mean, there was like, (laughs) that wasn't what was going on. I, I've, I've definitely felt that myself in the past where I realized that the discipleship I grew up in w- was very much that, you know, it's just about getting people through the door and then teaching somebody else to get the person through the door. And and that was what we thought was like this great discipleship <laughs> right. moment, right? Because it's like, you know, if Jesus comes back and that person was your responsibility, you know, good, you know, have fun standing in front of Jesus, knowing that you could help that person get saved and they didn't because you didn't get them through the door. And, and actually, as you say, that, that depth of life and that commitment to being with them was what was transformational in that time. And, and mm-hmm. it, that, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't that they had, you know, come with the best words, you know, like Paul, when he picks, when he picks the, you know, the, the uh, idol to the unknown God, we look at that as like this amazing apologetic moment. He picks like the most ridiculous thing on there to talk about about something stupid and kind of give it the sense of wisdom, but points it to a community that will care for you beyond what the culture and the people will. And, and that, as you say, that kind of evidence of the, of the kind of togetherness and, and that commitment, which I think is, is something that I'm guessing Derek is, is looking at, you know, thinking about as well. I heard echoes in, in what you were saying, Derek, of that sense of like, do we see this in the church? Um, it yeah. depends on what church, what you mean by church. <laughs> when yeah. he pays my check, I just like, isn't, isn't that, isn't that it? You know, but, yeah. Tim's church. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if well, you're listening, somebody yeah. Yeah. <laughs> send your money to. Um, yeah. So I would, I would see my, my journey. I went through the Francis of Assisi, the, you know, don't use your words, use your actions. And then I got to a point where I was like, okay, no, there has to be some kind of words. Cause like, if there's no, there's no words, then it's like, your actions only attract people if you're actually doing the actions. Does that make sense? Or if you're not doing what, what we're talking about here, if you're just living your life and your Christian walk of faith is, 
or just walk of faith is regulated to Sunday mornings and Tuesday prayer studies and devotions, then oh, they're Wednesdays say, in the states, so Tuesday. Oh, I was like, yeah, I was like Tuesday. I've only done them Wednesday. If you're at the church Sunday. six days a week, um, you know how how are you reaching people? Yeah, so I'm gonna like my little because I think I, I heard someone be like, no, like there has to be words said, and I was like, yeah, I agree with that, but I'm gonna reverse that now. And say like no you don't need words but you need to actually do the actions like we're talking about hope and it's like this this idea where hope has now become just a and i know i talked to you two about it hope has just become a phrase where it's i don't actually have to do anything i don't actually have to walk with you i don't have to do anything i hope that god reaches out to you in this moment i hope that there's a good situation that's found i hope like it becomes like the states with the the shootings that happened again with the hopes and like the prayers um like what like if you are able to do something then do something and then the church we use it where it's this person's going through something and we just say well i'll, I'll pray for you and i'll hope that something happens without actually doing community part of walking with the person and doing life with them and i think we're scared to get dirty and we're scared to actually give up time and let see other people's imperfections and let them see ours and walk in with them. Because as a church member or someone who's helping someone, maybe we need to be perfect or we have the idea we need to be perfect. I don't know. I also think there's this um, reality that a lot of people gave a lot and got burnt out and there weren't great boundaries around care for self. And um, I think about all these people who uh, scripture like this was taken to mean, and you should be the person who moves all the chairs on Sunday morning, Yeah, you know, which is like, yeah, I think if you're creating a community that is helpful to the community at large, someone does need to move the chairs, you know, chairs, yeah. but there's been this manipulation to say, this is the moment. Um, you know, God needs you to do this thing, you know, there's all that sort of stuff. So I think there's some sense that people are like, I'm so burnt out. Cause we have to understand too, how, when we talk about the metropolitan craziness of Paul, uh, there was not a thing called a cell phone. So people just stopped working, you know, life was so different and set by the sun and what was it, you know, what could happen then. So things are so different now. And I think we have to acknowledge that the actions people take are what they have seen done well and are trying to mirror. And um, I don't know, I don't blame the average person sitting in the pew for being confused about what does it mean to live out this life of faith, right? Mm -hmm. um, is it all sacrificing of who I am to the extent where my uh, desires, my hopes, who I am no longer matters? Um, or is it this idea, this, this theology I have at a very deep level is that we are already loved by God and we already are who God wants us to be. And it's a returning to self instead of a, I need to go outside of myself and become this better thing. Cause who I am is awful and terrible and horrible. Cause I actually think if we want to talk about like the, the parable of Adam and Eve, and we can talk about whether you think that's real or not, but it is this story about people who all of a sudden who they were was not enough. And God actually says, that's the sin. Instead of saying like, oh my gosh, um, I'm already loved by God. The actions that I'm taking are not 
so that God will love me more. Like pay really close attention to the scripture. Mm -hmm. So many people are working out their salvation, trying to work towards this, like, if I just do more, if I just, and that can only last Mm -hmm. so long because the love has already been there. Right. And they miss out on what is already there. And so I think people serving other people still has supremacy. What I mean by that is I, as a good Christian person are helping you who is at a lower level, who are not at my level of being. And so let me help you become this elevated being. And I think that is our, my that type is of Christian. Right. Um, my That's, type. Yeah. You need to like, Hey, and we talk about the world as people who need to be taken care of. And oftentimes um, I got to tell you, like the world is a lot better at mm. caregiving for people and not doing it from a point of supremacy instead of a, mm. a living with and a, and a serving with mm. instead of a serving at. And I think when we talk about these deeds that people were doing that cause people to know without words, um, for me, the most inspiring people are often the people that are living out of their own affinities and loves and passions. And they're not sacrificing who they are. They're just living out this deep centered knowledge of this is who I am and living out of that. And that to me is like, there's something Holy spirit in that to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that made sense. It made sense in my head. No, it made sense coming out of your mouth as well. So you're perfect. Yeah. 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 It's been a long time since I preached guys. It's been a while. (laughs) Don't sound rusty. Don't sound rusty. Yeah. (laughs) But I think, yeah, go ahead, Derek. Well, I was just thinking, like, on the, in the fear of burning out and doing that, like, what what is it, like, 5% of the people in the church do all the work, 95% don't, or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So if everyone, like you said, poured out of their gifts and abilities, because everyone's got different abilities, everyone's got different gifts, if everyone poured out, then that 5%, the chances of them being burnt out would be, I assume, decreased because everyone's chipped in and everyone's helping work and i'm not even talking about like church events and stuff because what whatever but like the you know just find someone in the congregation that's having a hard time and you go over and you chit chat with them where if you know of a need you actually go and help that need um doesn't have to be all the time but it takes vulnerability though right it's mutuality I think we've done a disservice to people again to say when I, when I like the, like go find someone who's lonely, you know, and then I walk over and I, I make you feel better. Look at me making you feel better. I don't know. Uh, I think there's, there has to be, I remember um, I served in San Francisco one summer as a site director for a mission program that bought brought you from all over the country in to work predominantly with those who were unsheltered. And um, I remember meeting with this guy who was just incredible and really well-known in the city for his work um, amongst those who were unsheltered. And I asked him, I was like, so like, when did you like know? And he said, I knew that this was my calling, my vocation, the thing I was supposed to do. I knew that I was really living it out when, um, a man who had experienced homelessness 
bought me a cup of coffee and asked me about my day. And I told him about a difficult situation I was having. Mm. And we were sitting as just two dudes having a cup of coffee. And I didn't feel Mm. supreme to him. I didn't in any way feel better than I wasn't trying to save anything about him. I was just sitting across from another human. Mm. And I think the problem with a lot of the work that we have done when we say these deeds thing, right? That's not hopeful to me. That's um, manipulative. That is uh, self-righteous and it's full of supremacy, right? Mm. Whereas like hopeful to me is like this idea of new community, of wholeness, of restoration that is so infectious that you can see beyond what is. And not in a way of like, not of this world, which is just stop it. Um, But in a way that says it doesn't have to be this way. Mm. Mm. And that's hopeful. Like, and it, and it won't always be this way. That to me is hope. Um, Mm. Cause I've been walking around all day thinking like, what do I even think hope is, you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I I think, I think that, that kind of re reorienting ourselves, <clears throat> sorry, to the, to the way that we, we haven't paid attention to, to that, that dynamic of power of service. And as you say, then we, we hand down this language, um, you know, that, you know, of, of us giving of ourselves for somebody else, which comes from a place of privilege. Um, mm. And, and then, you know, then it's like, oh, don't, don't you appreciate what I'm doing for you, giving to you. And, and and then and then as you say you know Derek that that kind of space where we we occupy um, the the ability to to say something to somebody it'd be like if you just appreciated what I gave you and now you're making <laughs> an, a choice to not accept the good gift that I have so you know I hope you're all right take care of yourself and if you ever change your mind and want the good thing I've got then you know where to find me. Um, but the, there, there is that you know that space of, of hope you see in Jesus is is where is where Jesus is the one accepting hospitality and space yeah. from somebody else, and then offers that opportunity of as you, that that's such a you know beautiful simple story of two people kind of sitting as equals, and it reminded me of when I was doing um, some training with something called London Citizens, which is community or organizing um here in, in london and water in the uk as well um and the the one lady who was who was kind of running the training and and who i met with a couple times she kept she kept pushing me because i i'd sit down and <clears throat> the first thing is having a conversation with somebody just getting to know them and i would just like constantly push at them to be the one speaking and me the one listening and i'm like you know this is the space we occupy this is what i do you know people have always told me i'm good at it so i'm going to sit here and i'm going to listen to you uh, as the as like you know the wisdom and the guide of this space and and so she talked for about a minute and then she's like so tell me about yourself and i was like no no that's not how it works like i i'm the listener which is my gift to you as I serve you in this space. Take the gift. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And she didn't want it. Um, but I but I realized actually at that space, it, you know, for the first time, it was that it was that, you know, occupying the space as, you know, and I guess it reminded me of the story of Zacchaeus, where, where Jesus comes to his house. And it's and it and the hope that comes to Zacchaeus is 
that, that he would first see Jesus. And in Jesus, he sees and has hope that he can be somebody else in his community. And, and that's occupied in the space that he is the one who serves Christ. <laughs> um, and, and actually that kind of reversal of it actually just yeah, reminded of, of a number of those things as, as we were talking. So, hmm. How do we, because when, when we're talking about supremacy in that, I keep thinking about, well, that's how the modern church does evangelism is <laughs> I have something that you don't, and I want to give it to you, but you have to accept it. Like there's, like, I, I remember listening to, I think it was Penn from Penn and Teller, and he was talking about that. And he, I think it was him, he was talking about how there's, there's always a you're you're better than than me aspect to evangelism. Like when everyone's trying to sell him the gospel, it's always I'm better than you because I have this. And even though it's a free gift, you need to have it. Like I'm better than you because I chose this and you're not. Mm. So I'm he got that thing. So how do we how do we come back at evangelism? Evangelism, whatever you wanna uh, describe it, without having the supremacy. Thing. I don't think my job is evangelism. Yeah, that's fine. Is it just not one of your gifts, Sarah, or, uh, or is there something more there? Because I am no longer a pastor. No, um, I think <laughs> I, I, in the way, and by that I mean I don't think my job is to go out and be like, I've got some great news for you. Mm. You're going to need to give up everything you think is great. But hold on, wait a minute. Then you're going to wait till I wait till I tell you the hook. It's so good. Uh, and then we're going to talk about this Middle Eastern guy that like half people kind of understand but don't understand. And then you should feel crappy about anything that yeah. you cannot control. Um, and then like here's all the rules. Ta-da! Like like there's just so much about evangelism that if we're honest is new it is from uh billy graham it is from that era of christianity mm. it got very much enmeshed in nationalism it got very much commercialized and good or bad i would say predominantly bad but it came from a good place i think people were wanting like this thing that has brought me so much joy i want it to bring you joy but it's like crossfit guys uh if you if you have to sell it that hard is it really that great um <laughs> jesus on the cross i know i told you about my crossfit gym that i want to open called equally yoked it's gonna be so good <laughs> for couples think about it so good um Amazing. i think there's this aspect of when something in us means a lot to us and has been transformational hmm. When I sit and talk to people, and I, I often do, I'll ask them, like if I'm consulting with a church, I'll sit and ask, like, why do you love this church? Hmm. And very rarely is it because I just feel Jesus uniquely in here, right? It is often because when I'm here, this person, this thing, hmm. this, you know, it's, it's, it's that stuff. That's the, the meat of it. And so I think just living into that I think it's okay to share about your faith. I don't think that evangelism is wrong necessarily. I think we've just got it wrong 
where it's about me saving you, right? It's the savior complex. And instead of just living out from what is my truth and just saying, you know, like, I don't always understand the mysticism behind all of this, but I, Mm -hmm. I do know that um, when I spend time in this, it, it's changed who I am and, and I, it gives me a sense of peace and that's it. That's the hard sell, you know? Um, and I think people often react a lot better to that, but it isn't like, you know, here there's this thing called Harvard harvest crusade once a year where thousands of people get saved quote unquote. And I am not entirely sure whether or not it's the same people you know, just over and over getting resaved over. <laughs> it's over one of my again. first times. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, mm. I, it reminded me, I went to a youth event once and they gathered all the youth pastors there and they were talking about salvation and how to get people saved and stuff, which whatever. But then they gave out these individual stat cards. <laughs> Can't really see it. But you're supposed to write down your name, the date, and your sole goal for the day. And the number of people you spoke with and the number of people said yes to Christ and number of people said no to Christ. And you're supposed to try to get your goal. Um, how much you believe God was going to give you souls for the harvest. And so I kept it just to remind me of how ridiculous we can get. Cause I think it comes down to what you think salvation is, right? Like is salvation just right. saying the sinner's prayer and is salvation just getting someone into heaven and that's it. Like you get them to heaven, you move on to the next one and then you Hopefully they make it in the church, but statistically they won't. And then they fall down and go and get them back while you backslide. That's disturbing. Soul goal. Your soul, soul goal. goal. Yeah. They gave us a, oh yeah, no, there's, I've got lots of stories of stuff like that. I, I like the, uh, you know, how many people said no to Jesus? I know. There's, I just, I can't imagine them no going, you. nope. No, yeah. Like I imagine it's a lot. Oh yeah. He told a story of someone who like pulled up to a cemetery where they were like, bearing someone and they end up giving the gospel message and a bunch of people got saved. I was like, that seems like a terrible time to do that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to hell if you yeah. don't want to follow. Yeah. <laughs> your loved one is now burning in hell. And if you'd like to save yourself this, I've got a great discount today. Right. Only. So what are we yeah. saving them from? And that's like this idea of God. Again, it's that idea of hope. I don't yeah. think hope. Hope to me is not the avoidance of bad is the offering of good. And I think mm. like when I think about hope, mm. I'm not like, Oh, when I think about my life in a hopeful way, I'm not like, and I won't get cancer tomorrow or I won't like that. Mm. It's never that it, hope is always like an abundance versus a avoiding the bad, mm. you know, yeah. and it's an abundance that exists even when things are rough. Cause if we're honest, like if we look at this letter again, things were really bad. The time was difficult. It just was. <laughs> yeah. um, you were wearing sandals like all the time. Um, no, have you socks. Smelled- no socks. No right. socks. Not even have Perkins you- socks. Like the bad ones. <laughs> Which all of that is highly offensive to me. But I think I like, I like, look, anyway, it doesn't matter. But the point is like things are difficult. Life mm-hmm. is hard. Um, you know, I was laughing because I was thinking, okay, I want to, you know, I just had this whole message on hope, right? Um, that was last Sunday in church. And 
great message. I actually went to the church that I planted, like restarted, wow. uh, where I used to be the lead pastor. I went back to hear my, uh, my friend preach and I thought it would feel different. I thought I'd be like, oh, this isn't right. And this isn't right. And mm-hmm. how dare they move things. Now I went in with like, oh, this place is so good and warm and feels like home. Like it just mm-hmm. is great. And I love seeing that these people are continuing on without me. Like, this mm-hmm. is cool. It's like the coolest thing. But as I heard this message and I've been thinking a lot about hope this week, I have dealt with the, you know, suicide of a friend. I have dealt with today as I was on my way to um, class tonight, another friend called and said, Hey, uh, my goddaughter just tried to commit suicide. So two suicides and attempt one attempted one completed within a week. And I just think, how do we help people? And both of these people, by the way, were church people. How do we help people feel hope when it feels like there is no hope when things feel hopeless to the point of, I can't imagine a future. And, and I think it's this creative spirit though, the, the creative divine that lets you think that even though I don't understand a way out there is, because that's what hope looks like, even when I don't understand. And I think the most inspiring people to me are the people who hold on to hope in the midst and not in like a Pollyanna way, like, oh, the most important people are the marginalized because we can keep them marginalized because then they're cute and they sell things. Like, it's just like this terrible thing that we do, but it's more this idea of like, what does it look like to have a deeply embedded narrative that both this is enough and yet there is more than now and yet not yet. Mm. Um, And that's, I think what Paul's talking about a little bit here, like you guys have done great. And also there's more to be done. Um, Mm. So just to say that that's time. So I offer it for kind of final, final offerings, but I think that that one that you said, Sarah, you know, the, the, the two things that you said today, which really kind of stuck with me is that, is that, is that the, the, you know, this is enough, you are enough. And, and in that finding hope, not, not that the bad things won't happen, but actually the hope in, in the good. And, and that, you know, for me, that kind of sense of the light and the darkness of Advent isn't, isn't the hope that that we're not going to get you know hit by a bus, but is the hope that the light and love of God can be come or can come into the world again to transform the world uh, in the humble, simple, unexpected places. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you. Yes, it's fun. I got nothing to say. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. I got on my little pedestal of like, look here, peeps. Uh, do people say peeps? I don't think they do. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah the, I think the, the best people do. The best people do. I think there is just this. I love what you said about hope being it transcends your situation. And it is it, we have to find it in ourselves. No one can give it to us. And that's the hard part. That's the hard part that I think all of us we're trying to do evangelism is because we actually want to give that to other people. If we're, you know, if we're honest about it. Like if we're not collecting things to like win a prize at the end of the day, whatever the hell you were doing, Derek. But um, I feel like I lay back down to Jesus. Like, I don't even get it. Like, what's the point? I don't, I don't understand. Uh, But I think what is that feeling and how can I tap back into it? And how can I share that with other people? I think that's the heart of it. So. Um, Yeah. Just to clarify this card, I kept, because it's ridiculous. I didn't follow it. 
just so I not that you're still, I'm not, you're, you're still just trying if to you're having coffee with Derek Caution and he bridge. goes yeah. well nope oh, yeah. all right yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes so that was a definite hard no to Jesus hard yeah. no yeah. <laughs> yeah. don't you have a hole in your heart that you need to fill oh dear <laughs> that's a good one isn't it yeah 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 it's garbage you enjoy your fun no I've got something for you um uh, yeah hmm so hope be good well yes. i hope you all enjoyed this um episode and uh yeah i hope in this time of advent this time of preparation time of light and darkness um going through all the different themes that you find hope in whatever you are that you um encourage hope in others um that even though things may not be fantastic, things may not be great, or things may be great, um, wherever you are, wherever you find yourself in life, that God is at work, uh, whether we see it or not. And we can have hope in that. And Derek, you were right. I shouldn't have done the passage of Jesus as his apocalyptic speech from Luke. We should have stuck with a bit more Paul. I don't know why you keep questioning me when you know I'm always right. I don't even yes. I don't even like Paul, which is like a long story, but you want to what? Look like Paul? Is that what you said? I said I don't even like Paul. <laughs> oh yeah. No. I yeah, I, I've never met a Paul who looks like you either. But um, but yes, yeah. definitely I yes, the 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 not so Paul bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. We like well, we I like, like dated and then I we broke up Paul. in college, but we oh. still like talk about our mutual friend Jesus. That's how <laughs> Paul and I were for a long time. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah, you and Peter would get on well then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul, that guy's that guy's nice, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Bless him. It's fine. <laughs> Bless his heart. Uh well, this is fun, guys. Thanks for having me. No, yeah. thank you for joining us. It's been a been a pleasure and uh yes. Thank you. Thank you for your time and uh, for sharing your Christmas tree with us as I don't have any of that behind me. Yeah, yeah, this is I have one room in my house, essentially, and this is it. You're welcome. I don't Appreciate support it. pagan traditions, so I will not. Be doing I that. do. I really do. I do. I'm a big pagan. It depends if it's a happy holidays tree or a Christmas tree. I'm just going to leave. I it will there. do the mistletoe. It's a Christmas, a Christmas tree. Christmas tree. Anyway, we're getting off track. Blessings, y'all. Toodles. Take care. Bye. Bye. (laughs)